Well, g'day. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, great to be back with you in what is our fourth week. Is it the fourth week? I think it's the fourth week of our sermon series. And what we're doing is we're re-looking at actually some of the earlier parts of Mark. We're getting some different perspectives in and uh, hearing some different voices about what they get out of these early parts in Mark. And we're just going over some of that start, some of this story, and it's fantastic to be hearing what people have said. This morning, I uh, have with me Harry. And uh, Harry is one of our own here in New Beginnings. He's involved in some BDC groups. He's actually part of the church council, which is fantastic to have him on that. Uh, He's been up on stage doing welcomes or different things, a part of the the tech team. So he's in and out all the time, which is fantastic to have him part of the life of the community. He's also involved with a group called Christian Surfers, and uh, that's a fantastic group. We've had some involvement with them in the past, and uh, he's actually heavily involved with them, and it's so good to see everything he's done. Uh, Harry, why don't you introduce yourself a bit more though so everyone gets to know you first. Yeah, sweet. Well, I'm Harry. As Caleb said, I've been coming to the church for the last two, three years maybe, I reckon. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, been doing CS. Well, that's how I became a Christian. So I've been doing that for my whole Christian walk, about six, seven years. Absolutely love it. Have such a passion for that. Such a passion for the people, the community in there. You know, just got back from a big trip for a month, traveling with them, doing some leadership training courses. I was actually doing a year-long leadership training. And then after that, I led on a week-long course for some of the younger guys in the CS group. So yeah. That's fantastic. And so for those that don't know, CS stands for Christian Surfers. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit more actually about what some of the mission of Christian Surfers is and what they actually get involved with? Yeah. Well, the mission's pretty simple. It's just that every surfer in every surfing community has the chance to know God, basically. So it's just like, do what you do every day. Um, go out surfing, but just make sure that you're doing it for God with Him in your mind and be a light to people in a place where it's usually a very selfish sport because surfing's an individual sport that's pretty mean sometimes. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's awesome because, you know, here we talk a lot about missional communities, you know, and, and I, I just love to support you and I love to see how you engage in your ministry with surfers as actually so into something as intentional as you can be. And uh, just the way he, Harry goes about how he talks uh, with his surfer people in the language that surfers use in the way and, and able to communicate with them, but bringing faith to them in their community. It's a fantastic thing to be, see and it's a fantastic thing for us to support him in as a church. So it's fantastic and we're just stoked that you're coming in to share with us today From the Bible, we're looking at Mark 2. So Harry's chosen Mark 2, and we're going to start off by actually reading it together. So if we bring up Mark 2, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors and there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered this mat man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, 
What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do, your, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the, stun, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of his kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors, collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic reading. Tell me, first off, Harry, why did you choose this reading? Um, when you asked me if I was free, I was like, yes. And then you asked me what I was reading. And funny enough, I was actually reading Mark. Um, I just really loved a couple parts of it. The part where Jesus actually says it's the healthy who don't… Oh, sorry. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And, you know, that part just really is pretty cool because a lot of Christians do… Yeah, that's a great yeah. spot to start. I mean, at the end, but so yeah. good to… Uh, at the end. We'll start at the end and come back, back to, the, start, <laughs> to the, the, the beginning. But that's a fantastic thought. Tell me, in your experiences, hmm. what do you actually see as the unhealthy and how do you actually see uh, them coming to health? Yeah. Well, I guess in this context, the way I look at it is that unhealthy are people who just don't know Christ yet. Like the way that he talks about the healthy is people that know him and have salvation and have, you know, been forgiven of their sins. Whereas he's like sitting there around a table of like, he calls them disreputable sinners, I'm pretty sure. So like he's sitting around a table of people that are like known sinners and people that kind of need that salvation. And he's going like, these are the people that need me, not the people that already know my grace, you know. So I really reckon that's pretty cool. The fact that, yeah, he just hanging out with people that actually need him to hang out with, not people that already know him. That's so good. And, and it reflects a big heart of um, evangelism and discipleship that's in your life. And uh, it, it's true. And there's this whole aspect of actually people are sick if they don't know God. Yeah. The, the world is broken. And unless the world is something that brings God into their world then they, they never really are going to know what health is. No, exactly. So like, I guess that's why this is sort of a call out as well. I think that's the way I read it at least. He's saying like, why are you hanging around other people that are Christian? Not that that's not important, but he's also saying like, get out there, go live in the world and be that light and be that doctor, be like the person bringing God into the situations 
where he's not yet there. So like be that doctor to the people that need to hear him and, you know, don't just sit in your churches on a Sunday then go home and don't actually go out into community. Go into places like, as you said, Christian surfers, go out into the surf in places where people aren't really Christian and try to live that light and bring God into places where, you know, he's the most needed, not places where he's already there. It's like bringing a trifle to Christmas when there's already one there. There's no point. You've got to bring a pav as well. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and especially not a trifle from friends. But <laughs> Yeah, oh, definitely not. <laughs> but yes, you need that pavlova. Uh, I, and I love it because, you know, in New Beginnings, we talk a lot about discipleship culture. Mm. You know, and, and what does it actually mean to be a discipleship? And, and, and living a life of discipleship, it's not about being with people from faith and taking them further into faith. That's an aspect and we got to look at actually deepening our faith. But well, how we talk about it is actually discipleship is something that starts pre-faith. Yeah. And it's about bringing people from a place of no faith to faith. And once they make that commitment and that decision for themselves, for a life of faith, taking them through into depths of faith. Yeah. And I love it because you talk about, well, what's your, your, your context, you know, is essentially what you're saying, right? What, where's your environment where you're engaging with those people that are actually without God, that yeah. are unhealthy, that, that need the doctor, yeah, you exactly. know, if you would. They need that doctor. And what's your workplace, you know? What's your hobbies, Mm. What are the things you love to do which has those people that aren't there yet? Yeah. You know, those things are great inhibitors to actually push us into those moments. Like God gives us our skills and our passions for a reason, I think. Like he, he's given us all blessings, whether it be your hobbies or your passion for your job. And, you know, you have those for a reason and you got to go into those environments. And as you said, your hobbies, your workplace, your, all those places. And, you know, be that doctor and be that light in the community where, you know, they might not be there. And it might be places where there's heaps of Christians or where you're the only Christian and you're called there and try to bring those people who don't know God into hopefully knowing them and disciple them. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Before we were talking, actually, we're going to start working backwards. Yeah, let's do you it. You were telling me about uh, how you loved how Jesus just called Levi. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about, uh, why don't you tell us all actually about how that stood out to you and what's coming out of that for you? Yeah, so he, I just thought it was really cool the way that he was just walking along and he saw the tax collector in his booth and he's like, stand up, follow me, be my disciple. And without question, Levi was like, hell yeah, I'll stand up and I'll just follow you. Come to my house, I'm cooking you dinner, bringing all my mates over, let's have a party. Like, it's pretty cool. I was like, I sort of, was reading to this part a bit and just sort of tossing over it and going, it takes a lot of faith to give up your theoretically your life as a tax collector in your little booth on the side of the road and just go, I'm going to follow this person that I've never met before, but I've heard all these amazing stories about and, you know, dive into it head first. It's awesome. And what, what I love about it, you know, you start to think about the image, right? Levi is a tax collector. So he sits at the gate of this city, which he, we said I'm pretty sure was Capernaum. Yeah. Uh, he's sitting at the gate of this city and he takes taxes for the Roman officials, mm. right? He, he's collecting the money as people go in and out of the town to give. This guy's going to hear as he sits on the town interacting with all these people 
of these incredible works. These in, like this this guy's just healed a paralyzed man. Yeah, people are talking about it. They're saying nothing like this has ever been seen before. Uh-huh. And this Levi guy obviously has heard of. He's starting to become aware of. And so it's not like he's just out of the blue hearing about it, but Jesus now is walking past. And what happens is, and this is what I understand it as, is Jesus notices that Levi is leaning in. You know, he's noticing that he's pushing into what actually uh, Jesus is about, you know. And so as he does, he notices the attraction and he gives this really high invitation and this really high challenge. Yeah. And we just, like, what that does is he's identifying the people in his world as we start to come back to those who need doctors. Mm. He's identifying the people that are actually looking for God. Yeah. And so he's actually calling them into it. It's, it's like he's talking to everyone. But we have this saying, we got it from our BDC culture, love equally, invest differently. And he noticed that Levi here is someone to be investing into. Yeah, exactly. It's like... He has all these Pharisees around him as we're going to visit but happened before. Like he could have chosen to invest in them. They all theoretically have a, th- a faith in like Christianity already or Judaism back there. Yep. Uh, but like instead he picks the guy at the gate, a tax collector. Like everyone looked down on them in those times. No one really liked them. And Jesus was like, I need to invest in you because I see huge potential and I'm going to use you for better things than these Pharisees who are already out there being used for things. Like, you know, he's saying these people are already being used for one thing. So I'm going to use someone who has potential but is currently not stepping into it. And I think Jesus and God sees that in people. And as you said, just picks a guy who's leaning in and ready and invests a lot heavier in him than other people which is cool. That's fantastic. And it's a common thread throughout the Bible. You know, something we talk about, you know, he picks the the lowly shepherd or he picks the the person with a paralyzed arm, you know. And yeah. so you think of uh, some of the prophets or, or the, the judges from the book of Judges. And these people aren't people of status. No. Like, you know, these people aren't people that are someone that's victorious in their own right. He's actually looking for the people that are willing to let God himself move in their life. Yeah, like a bunch of fishermen on the shore side just walking past them going, drop your nets, come and follow me. It's pretty impressive how he's using people that aren't like, you know, kings. He could easily have gone and got kings, but he goes and gets, you know, people that are happy to let him invest and he can see, you know, future growth, I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. So if we just keep working through the passage. Backwards. We're going backwards, and that's fantastic. We love it. You, you you started with, and I remember when you're telling me about, yeah, I'm looking forward to delving into chapter two with you. You actually yeah. started with Jesus forgiving and healing this lame man. Yeah, yeah I just thought I'd twist it up on the day, you know, throw a curveball your way. <laughs> see if you're really good at job. You'll see my adaptability. That's great. But you, you actually you. started there, and, yeah. and there's something obviously in that that's actually mm. your heart for yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I I really love how, again, it touches on the same thing that like Levi had so much faith just to get up and follow um, Jesus. Like the same thing here where those guys that had so much faith that Jesus could heal their paralyzed mate, they were like, this crowd's too big to pull him through. Let's go to the roof and dig a hole through it. Like these roofs weren't 
the normal roofs we have nowadays. They dug a hole through the roof and then dropped their mate on a mat, which would have been a pretty impressive feat in itself in front of Jesus because they had so much faith that he could heal him. And then Jesus doesn't even, the first thing he doesn't even do is go, oh, this bloke's paralyzed. I'm going to, you know, tell him to get up and walk. He goes, son, your sins are forgiven. Like, that's pretty cool. The fact that they're, they're like, these guys have so much faith and they do all this effort and drop him in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, I see that. And I can see that you guys have a passion and no man have heard stories. And due to that, I'm going to forgive your sins because, you know, that's all you have to do, have a faith in Jesus and get your sins forgiven. The gift of faith, hey? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, having been in Israel and actually seeing some of the houses <laughs> – what it is, is it's a mixture of the, these old ones are like mixtures of clay and straw and stuff. And so, as you said, it's different. It's not like a, a big church cathedral that we have. But in, roof, have in like some versions, it might even be in, in a different account of the Gospels. It actually says the faith of your friends yeah, um, or something like that. And it's actually, you know, that's why it's so important to be together, you know. And, and to have this, the uh, the encouragement of the people around you too. Yeah. You know, that you can't do it by yourself. No. Um, and I love that you come to that point of he just keeps going out, the evangelist in him, if you would. Mm. And, and I say that because that's how you talk about yourself a lot of the time. <laughs> but uh, the, the, um, the, the whole aspect of there's been such a dramatic life change in my world, mm. I can't not help but change i can't not help but tell people i can't not help but do stuff for the glory of the person who changed me yeah exactly it's like you need that like iron in your life like those other christian people to sharpen you like you were saying like you need that community to make you a theoretically a sharp sword for god but like once you know that word it's pretty hard not to want to spread it like it's such an amazing word and it's such a life-changing story of Jesus and what he can do for you and where he can take you in life. Like me personally, he's taken me all over the world. He's taken me, made most of my friends and, you know, travelled Australia, just some amazing trips. But through this, like how can I not share this passion I have for God and what he's done for me to theoretically everyone that I meet? And whether it be me preaching the gospel to their face or just living a Christ-like life in front of them. I think it's pretty important and that's what he calls us to do and it's pretty hard not to do it if you actually have that faith and you've seen him work in your life and people around you. It's pretty hard not to go out and try live it and get more people into it. That's so awesome and, and, and I love it. And there's this whole thread that we've been talking about of being in the world but not being of the world, if we use some scripture, yeah. and actually recognizing that we are for God, but we live in this place yeah. which actually has people in it without God uh, and have bringing that light to their world. Mm. And so my question for you is actually then, if this is the world that we live in and our call is to bring the light of God to this world, how is it in your experience currently and, and how is it that you desire to actually be someone that brings that light to people? Oh, hard questions, bringing them out at the start. Um, I think that it's in different ways. Like you have to approach each situation differently. As we were talking about with Levi, like he was leaning in and ready, ready to hear this word. Like he was ready to jump off his seat and follow Jesus. And that's, I think you can look at that 
in life with everyone else that you see and people you meet. Like some people are like biting at the bit to go and, you know, hear this gospel and have their lives transformed. And there's other people that, you know, put up that big stone wall and are like don't want a bar of it. And just because they've got that there, I feel like in my life, that's not something that's like I should hit and turn around. Like I've got a couple of friends that are very close to me that think they don't want to hear a word of it. So the way that I approach that is I just try to live a Christ-like life near them and, you know, get to them that way and just say, hey, I'm not going to preach to you, but I'm still going to be in your life and I'm still going to show you these morals and values that I take from my faith. And then there's other people that you meet that are so ready and open and willing and you're like, sweet, I'm happy to sow into you from day dot and share the gospel and invite you into my church and invite you into my Bible studies and, you know, introduce you to all my Christian friends. But I think that it's just each situation is different, to be honest, to answer your question at the start. Like I approach each one different. Um, for me, when I was involved in Christian surfers as a leader at a old one I used to do in Cronulla, um, that was a bit different. I could actually go out there and preach to a bunch of different people every week and share little nuggets of the gospel and they were coming along for the activities and the food and then you sort of sneak the gospel in there to some young kids and like a typical youth group but it was just a little bit looser, I guess you could say. <laughs> but, I did come to a few of those nights. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they were really fun. Um, I remember you absolutely demolishing me in some tackle football once upon a time in that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're a lot bigger than me. But um, no, I think that like that's, you know, a really cool opportunity that I had in my life and that's one example. But then I also have those friends that like my university mates that I really don't have that opportunity in the gateway to just preach to them nuggets of the Bible once a week. And instead I just have to live a Christ-like life near them and, you know, hopefully... They look at my lifestyle and go, there's something different about him and it's a good different and he's fulfilled without having to indulge in this world. And it's like you were saying before about, I forget what the exact line was. You can say it again. <laughs> of this, we are in this world, but not of it. That's the one. <laughs> it's like that, but yeah, it's mm. cool. And what I'm hearing you say is, is that um, with the people that aren't yet really leaning in, there's a higher call to actually be living a life of Jesus's callings. Yeah, 100%. Because they've got to identify something's different. Mm. They got to see that there's deeper satisfaction in the life that we have, which comes from knowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit personally, yeah. than actually just being like some people, which is saying they're Christian and not living in that lifestyle as a Christian. Yeah, like it's... You don't want to be running around saying, do as I say, not as I do. Like that's yeah. the opposite of what you want to be doing. You don't be going, this is a cool lifestyle. You should live it, but I'm going to not do it. I feel like you really have to, you know, be accountable to your words and say like, if I'm preaching this, I have to live it as well. And, you know, actions speak louder than words. It's a good old thing that everyone says. And yeah. and it's probably a really great Bible study series to actually go through the Bible and find what that life looks like. Yeah. But there's a few things in there, you know, uh, don't lust, don't uh, desire things that your neighbor has, you know, like we yeah. can start rattling off things like be intentional in reading your Bible, be deliberate in mm. prayer, be actively finding times to spend with God. Yeah. Um, and then also things like know when you've had enough, you know, uh, you don't need to overindulge. Yeah. Gluttony, you know, um, vanity and, and all those things. 
actually starting to take them and putting them in their place, mm. which really isn't in the life or some of those other lists that I just mentioned are in the life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually taking those things and then allowing them to be the mm. same. Yeah. And then on the other side, you, ha- you were saying there's those friends that actually are leaning in. Yeah. How yeah. do you go about engaging with them? Well, personally, I try my hardest to read the Bible and get like deeper my knowledge in, you know, theology. Like last year I did a one year long course through Christian Surfers. It was an awesome course. Would recommend it to anyone. Um, and that was the first year of a Bachelor of Theology and that was really cool and helped me deepen my knowledge but I know that I can not give them anywhere near as much depth into the gospel as someone like yourself for say that's done a master's or you know a church community can like I can introduce them to it but I feel like to go deeper the way that I approach it is I just say hey here's what I know let's go and take you to a church. Let's go take you to a Bible study. Let's get you involved in a Christian community and not just hear what I'm saying. Let's hear what everyone's saying. They have a wealth of knowledge. Um, It's not just my one little nugget. And as well, I feel like that also gives what I'm saying validity. It makes them say, oh, it's not just this one guy. It's a group of people. It's, It's a whole Bible study. It's a whole church community. It's not just the guy I met in the surf. It's all his friends as well. It's great. I think one thing that goes beyond both aspects, though, mm. is actually this underlying factor of prayer. If you have someone in either parts which are on your heart, yeah. make sure you're praying for the person. Actually, totally. make sure you're pushing into giving them to God because it's not that God needs the prayer, but that's most of our work, too, is actually giving it to God so that He can help us in our interactions with them. Yeah, yeah, fully. And that's a big thing. Definitely praying for people, asking people what they need prayer for. If someone's going through a hard time, just being straight up and saying, I'm going to pray for you in this time. You know, I have friends that aren't Christian and they will reach out to me and ask me to pray for them in hard times. I've had a friend that I've been around and he hasn't made fun of me for being a Christian, but you know, the good old jokes go back and forth. But he was trying to have a kid recently and he like reached out and asked me to pray for him. And, you know, I feel like it's pretty cool the fact that, you know, you can do that for them and don't hide it as well. It's not a bad thing, praying for people. Absolutely. And hiding it is just like that story where Jesus says, putting a lamp cloth over the, the candle, you know, like yeah, exactly. you, you don't hide it. You have to be a light to the world. And it's funny that you mentioned that about babies because it must be a common thread. I've got a friend that her friend just had a baby and she rang me up saying, can you pray for my friend's baby? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so she put me on speakerphone and it was just an opportunity yeah. It's just a moment mm. where you get to pray. It's just an, a statement in that moment too. Yeah. Like that I'm not afraid of this. Uh, I'm proud of this. But also I'm looking to offer this life to you as well, mm. you know, which is fantastic. And as you said, it's just not chucking that big cloth over the light that God gives us. Like being open about it and being happy to spread it to the world and spread our faith to the world and, you know, not being like, oh, I have this faith but I don't want to show it to everyone because I'm worried what people are going to think. Like not worrying about what people actually think of you, having that confidence, which is very tricky, I know. But <laughs> just going out there. Not tricky for some like you, but other, no. <laughs> uh, we, we all got it. We all got that chicken line. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's awesome. 
Look, hey, is there any other thoughts that you just wanted to throw in there for us before I get you to pray for us? Oh, man, we could go into this for hours, I think, really. Absolutely. <laughs> but one last linchpin. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool when um, Jesus, it wasn't really sassy, but the way I read it the first time kind of was when the Pharisees were like sort of thinking things. They weren't even saying them out loud. And Jesus, the other translation I read was that he felt it in his spirit. Like he felt that they were saying like, why is he doing this? He doesn't have the right to do this. And he pretty much just comes out and goes, you think I don't have the right to do this? Who are you? Like, if you think I can't do this, watch me. I'm going to do something that's 50 times more impressive. Mic drop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's such good imagery. Yeah. And, and look, isn't it so assuring to have the God of the universe feel and know our thoughts and feelings in an intimate way too. Yeah, like the fact that he can like see what we're thinking in his spirit and know that stuff and be like, you know, he wants, like this wasn't him trying to show off. It's him just saying like, if you don't believe me, here's another reason to believe me because I just want you all to love me and, you know, see me as the... God of earth. Yeah, and I'll continually do what needs to be done to show you that I'm the yeah. one that uh, yeah. created this world sort exactly. of thing and, and desire you. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, he's not like, he's a little nugget and that's it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. He's like, no, I'm going to keep pursuing you because you're the one sheep out of the hundred that ran away and I want to bring you back and he'll chase you down. That's awesome, man. So good. Thanks for taking the time out to be with us this morning. Anytime. I really appreciate it. It does, does the rest of the church. And uh, it's great to have you a part of the life. And we look forward to seeing you grow in your journey and uh, yeah. actually what happens in CS with you as well. And we look forward Sweet. to encouraging you into that. Uh, so can I ask you to pray for, for, for us and, and the church and I'll pray for you afterwards. Yeah, sweet. Um, dear Lord, I just uh, pray for new beginnings as a whole. I pray for them through this Christmas season and January and the whole church community, Lord. I um, hope that people can watch this and take something out of it, God, and just, yeah, really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come here and chat with Caleb over this Bible verse. That, yeah, it's awesome. Amen. Lord God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for Harry, and we just thank you for your hand in his life. We just pray that as he continues to take steps into your plan for him, that you just continue to bless him, you continue to make yourself more known to him, and you continue to just uh, satisfy his desire to know you more. Lord God, we just thank you for this man and his uh, willingness to serve and be involved in your plan. Uh, we also thank you for this community, New Beginnings, and this family that that is here. We pray that as we continue to look towards you, that uh, you'll be continually in our hearts, in our minds, and, and ever-present to our spirits. And we just pray as we continue into the, the life you have for us as a church, that we can continue to press into your will. Lord God, we thank you for this moment, and we pray for the ongoing and the upcoming, that you'll be present in it. And we just pray a blessing upon everyone as they're tuning in this morning. We thank you, Lord God, so much for everything that's in our life and a part of our life and all of the blessings that you bestowed upon us. Thank you for this time, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.